I always pray on a day like today when we've got a small group, I always pray that there'll be a very special blessing for those who are here. And I hope in some way there will be a blessing for you. My text today is found in 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. <clears throat> and it's important for me to tell you that I prepared this message before I knew what we would do with worship services and all that stuff we do on Sunday. So it's important for me to let you know that. This message has to do with how you face a personal crisis. And how do you personally face a personal crisis? You fold, you close your eyes, you stick your head in the ground. You blame God, you get mad at God. You say, why God? How in the world do you face a personal crisis? And I want to say that's important Let's say when you face a personal crisis, not if you face a personal crisis. Because I think it's very true that we live in this world and all of us sooner or later are going to have those, those personal crises that come into our lives. C.S. Lewis wrote these words. He said, God allows us to experience the low points of life in order to teach us lessons that we could never learn in any other way. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. The Bible is very clear. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, said a couple of times, first he said, uh, God sends his rain on the just and the unjust. That's in chapter five. And then in chapter seven of Matthew, he says, uh, there were two men, one built his house on a rock and the other one built his house on the sand. And the rain and the storm came to both houses. The one on the sand fell, the one on the rock stood firm. And so it's not always about whether or not we face a personal crisis, but how we deal with the personal crisis when, when we face it. Now, I want to go back and give you the background before we read the text. Um, back in chapter 23, um, David understood that Saul was out to kill him. And he had a chance to kill Saul in the cave that day, you remember, and he did not do it. And then a short time after that, he had another chance to kill Saul. He and, and his, uh, his nephew snuck into camp, quite a covert operation, by the way, snuck into camp late at night when everyone was asleep and took some of the king's personal things and uh, had a chance to kill him at that time and did not. But he realized that Saul was trying to kill him, and so he went over to the Philistines. This is a strange thing. This, this Hebrew hero went over to the Philistines, took his personal army of 600 men along with him over there, and served uh, the king of Gath, one of the Philistine cities. And as he served the king of Gath, he would, he would uh, ask for a city. The, the king gave him Ziklag for his personal city. Uh, the Bible says it's David's city even until today. And... Uh, uh, his men lived, he and his men lived in Ziklag, and they would go out and attack the Malachites and the other enemies of Israel, but he would tell the Philistine king that he was attacking the people of Judah and Israel. Of course he wasn't, but he told the king that. And then all the Philistines gathered together to fight the final battle, what became the final battle against Saul, the battle in which King Saul was killed. They gathered together, and of course, as a, as a soldier of this particular king, David went along with him. But when he got there, all the other 
Philistine leaders said, listen, we don't take him into battle with us because he'll turn to fight us. And so they sent him home. And his, he and his men marched for three days to get home. And when they got home, they had this terrible surprise. And that's where we start reading in chapter 30, uh, verse 1. Chapter 30 of 1 Samuel, verse 1. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. They had marched, they had walked on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. You ever cried until there were just no more tears? That's the idea here. Just no strength left to, to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Israel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. Now, listen to verse 6. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Let's pray together, please. Our Father, we again thank you for the privilege of being here. I thank you for these folks who've come out today, and I pray a special blessing, time of worship, as we look into your word for a few minutes today. Uh, Lord, we, we want to pray for those who have this sickness, the coronavirus, and we want to pray for all of those who are struggling with that health problem. I want to pray today, Heavenly Father, for the people of this church, people that are here and the people who are not here. And I want to pray, Heavenly Father, that you will provide your divine protection for us, for our families, for our loved ones, our children. I ask you to provide that wall of protection around us. And for those that uh, have already been exposed in one way or another, I pray that they will be able to have the courage and uh, your healing power to fight through it and regain their strength. Now in these moments, please speak to our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Joyce Baldwin writing about this said, this was, this, this was, David had never been so alone in his entire life. This is certainly the biggest crisis he was ever in, at least up until this point in his life. This was certainly the biggest crisis he'd ever had to face. And it was really important what happened to him in this, this crisis. It says he found strength in the Lord. Now, if you've got your Bible open there, you can turn back to chapter 23 just for a moment. Chapter 23, just for one moment. And there in chapter 23, look at verse 16. This is when David first found out that Saul was on the prowl looking for him. First found out about it. And um, it says in verse 15, David was his horse in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. Now listen. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. David knew how to find strength in God because Jonathan had come and, and reached out to him 
and helped him find strength. He showed him how to find strength in God. And so on this particular occasion, now the men who were about to stone David at this particular time, and this is very important for you to understand, these were loyal men. 600 of these, these soldiers that were his personal army, they were loyal men. They were so loyal, if you look at the 23rd chapter of 1 Samuel, you'll see that had the three mighty men, David just simply said the Philistines were between him and, and, and Bethlehem. And he said, oh, if I could just drink from the well at Bethlehem. And this was so important to these three mighty men that they broke through the Philistine lines, got water from him from that well, and brought the water back to him. That's the kind of loyalty he was used to. He was used to that kind of loyalty. And now these same men, because of the loss of their families and, and the sadness that they were dealing with, ready to kill him. And David found strength in the Lord. I want to say to you today that when we face a personal crisis, we can always find strength in the Lord. And that's very important for you to sort of pick up on that as we talk about it this morning. That's not just something that happened, uh, not just something that happened to, uh, to David, but if you'll, let me just read to you from 2 Timothy. Uh, Paul's Paul's word, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. He had found strength in the Lord when he had first been captured and was going to be taken away prison because God came and stood at his side there in, in the 23rd chapter of Acts. God came, the Lord came and stood at his side there and said, no, you're going you're to be my witness over there in, in Rome and, and I'm watching over you and I am with you during all this time. He found strength in the Lord. And I want you to know the same Lord is our Lord today. I want you to know the same kind of strength that he found in the Lord, we can find in the Lord today. Now, this is a hymn book. If you don't know what this is, this is a hymn book. Uh, I, I, I'm not trying to make a statement. I'd a whole lot rather read the song, the words off the, the screen than the hymn book. But I want you to take a hymn book. I want to talk to you about some, some songs that are in this hymn book. I want you to take the hymn book with me and work with me uh, this morning. The first one is hymn number 425. 425. You see... God was able to give David strength at the time of his need. God was able to give Paul strength at the time of his need when both of them were all alone. And God, we can find strength in the Lord as well. This, this hymn, He Keeps Me Singing. Y'all know this hymn, right? He Keeps Me Singing. You are raised in the church, you probably sung it all your life. Luther Bridges, who wrote this, was a Methodist pastor. He had written the first three lines of the first three verses of this this particular hymn. You read, there's in my heart a melody, Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I'm with thee, peace be still uh, in all of life's ebb and flow. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. First three, first three verses were written. And then he went away in a revival. And while he was gone in revival, uh, his house burned down and he lost his wife and his children in that fire. They all died. And going through that personal tragedy was something that, that was very important to Bridges. And so what he did was he came back and wrote 
the last two verses. I want you to look at verse 4 with me just a minute. Though sometimes he leads through waters deep and trials fall across the way, though sometimes the path seems rough and steep, see his footprints all the way. And Bridges could still sing, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know fills my longing, keeps me singing as I go. I hope you, I hope you pick up what I say. You see, you see, David found strength in the Lord. Paul found strength in the Lord. This man found strength in the Lord as well. Let's look at another hymn here. Look, look with me at hymn number 292. You may not know this hymn as well as, as some of the others. How many of you know this hymn? Oh, love that will not let me go. How many of you know this hymn? Well, maybe 10 of you know this hymn. Uh, George Matheson was an Episcopalian pastor, and George was blind. He was blind. He was engaged to be married, and just before he was ready to be married, his fiancée came to him and said she just didn't feel like she could bury a blind man. And she said to him, George, I'm going to have to let you go. And George Matheson wrote this hymn, O love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee, I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths it flow, my richer full of it. Now this is, this hymn, I, I know it's, this was a long time ago, he wrote a long time ago, and this hymn is, is old English, but this is great poetry. This hymn is really great, great poetry. Uh, I want you to look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. O joy that seekest me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain. I chase the rainbow. That's one of the, that's one of the most powerful lines. You know, it's raining. You look up, you see the promise of God, the rainbow there through the rain. And he says, I, and, and here I, he's talking more about rain. He's talking about the, his tears. Talking about his tears. I trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promise is not vain that morn, morn shall tearless be. I hope you're beginning to understand what I'm talking about. Look at, look at hymn number 182. Now this one you will know, 182. 182, what a friend we have in Jesus. Joseph Scriven was an Irishman and was engaged to be married. And the day before his marriage, his wife was out riding her horse. It's in Ireland, out riding her horse. And some strange accident happened. She went through a stream. She fell off the horse, hit her head on a stone, and died. He was, he was torn up by this, left his home in Ireland, came to, the, came to the New World, lived in Canada, came to the New World and gave his life to really ministering to other people, helping other people, and giving away all that he had and everything and didn't have a place to live. And uh, an old army colonel, who was a retired colonel, uh, took him in, let him live in a house that he had there in order to do some of the work around his house. In a period of time, he fell in love with the colonel's daughter, and they were going to be married, and for the second time, she died before they were married. And then he went, and he penned these words, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything 
to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear just because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I hope you're beginning to see the point I'm trying to make. You see, what worked for Peter, what worked for, for David, worked for, worked for Paul, and it worked for these people who wrote, wrote these hymns. There's one other hymn I want to share with you, and it's not, it's not in the hymn book. Okay, you can put your hymn book up. Please don't sit there and read hymns while I preach the rest of the sermon here, please. <laughs> one other hymn that I've found tremendously meaningful, I think maybe we have it. Can we put that hymn on the screen? Do you have that? It's called He's Been Faithful. He's Been Faithful. Well, if we don't have it, that's fine. I'll, let me give you the words. Um, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. Demaris Carbo wrote, wrote this hymn. And if it doesn't make sense to you, I want to challenge you to get online today sometime. Get online and watch Carol Cimbala lead the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir in this song. Because if you can listen to that song, and not shed a tear, then you better, you better have a heart check really quickly. It's just one of the most meaningful songs. This is the way it goes. These are the words. I'm not a singer. These are the words. In moments of fear, through every pain, every tear, there's a God who's been faithful to me. When my strength was all gone, when my heart had no song, still in love, he's proved faithful to me. Every word he's promised is true. What I thought was impossible, I've seen my God do. He's been faithful, faithful to me. The chorus goes this way. He's been faithful, faithful to me. Looking back, his love and mercy I see. Though in my heart I have questioned and failed to believe, he's been faithful, faithful to me. I challenge you, you don't, this, this woman in the thing online, if you watch that, the woman sings the, the first part, and then you watch as Carol Cimbalo leads that book of the Tabernacle Choir singing the chorus. And, you know, I don't, there it is, there's the word. That's the chorus right there. He's been faithful, faithful to me. Looking back, It touches me to read that because I will tell you, I've lived a long time. I've been in ministry a long time. I've had times when I quit the ministry. Didn't last very long, but I did. And times when I wanted to quit, times when I wanted to give up and everything else. But I will tell you, my test I've even been at the point where they told me I was gonna die, folks brought in my family. But I want to tell you today, my testimony as well is he has been faithful to me. He's been faithful to me. It's a great hymn, great song. I encourage you to get online and listen to that song. It'll touch your heart, I think, as it's touched my heart. This is the faithfulness that he has and how faithful he can be to us. Now at this point, I, I think you're probably uh, getting the point that I would, I would want to make. I want to share some scriptures with you, if I may. Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong power. The righteous run into it and are safe. 
Psalm 18.2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. Nahum 1.7. Nahum 1.7. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. Genesis 15.1 to Abraham. I am your shield. Exodus uh, 3.12 to Moses. And then again, He repeats this to Joshua several times. I will be with you. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not get tired and they'll walk and not faint. Those who wait on the Lord. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him uh, who strengthens me. By the way, you have to remember, Paul was in prison when he wrote this. He didn't mean I can jump over a rock wall because of him. He meant I can put up with what I have to put up with because of him. That's what he meant when he said, I can do all things through him. Hebrews 13, 5, God said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Second Chronicles 16, 9, the eyes of the Lord uh, roam to and fro throughout the earth that he may uh, strongly support those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. I'm trying to say to you today, the important thing is that, that we could find strength in the Lord too. David, in, at, at that point in his life, the biggest crisis that he had had to face was able to find strength in the Lord. Look back at 1 Samuel 30 with me, please. 1 Samuel 30. I want to talk with you about the rest of the story. All right, so in verse 6, it says he was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord. In verses 7 and 8, David prayed, sought guidance from the Lord. Verse 8 says, David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue? Uh, He was no loose cannon. Verses uh, 9 and 10 at God's command, he took action. He and the 600 men with him uh, took off to chase these people who had taken all of their loved ones. Verses 11 through 16, God provided what he needed. They just, they just happened. They just happened to come upon this guy who had been left alone, who knew exactly where, where the, the enemies were, and knew exactly everything that had happened. And, you know, this is the one that led them to where their family was, verses 11 through 16. Then in verse 17, at God's command, David fought for what was his. This is important. David fought for what was his. Um, uh, God had given this to him, but he had to fight for it, and he did fight for it. This is, this is, this is really an important thing. I, I was interested in Joshua chapter 18, verse 3, reading in my devotion this week, Joshua chapter 18, verse 3. Joshua said to the people of Israel, God has given you Israel, now, go out and take it. You see, God gives it, but they had to go out and take it. And so it is, so it is with us. God gives us stuff, but expect, just like salvation, God gives us salvation, but we must, we must take it. We must receive it to ourselves. And, and, and that's exactly what happened with him in this particular case. Now, it, just for a second, look on down in, in, in verse 23. David says, uh, talk, talk to his brothers. He says, what the Lord has given us. See, he knew the Lord gave it, but he also knew he had to fight for what was rightfully his. 
Extremely important. We understand that. Then in verse, verses 18 through 20, he recovered it all. Uh, verse 18, David recovered everything. Verse 19, nothing was missing. Not a boy or a girl, not the wives, nothing was missing. And then in verse 20, uh, he gave it all and even more. Verse 20, he took all the flocks and the herds, and this was David's, David's uh, plunder. Now, as if, as if that was the end of the story, it's not quite the end of the story yet. Because you see, David was right on the verge of becoming king. Saul would be killed in that battle, and David would become king of Judah, and seven years later become king of all Judah and Israel. He's right on the verge of becoming king. Uh, in the, the 30th Psalm, you know, verse 5, it says, Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes. Joy comes in the morning. Jeremiah 21, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in the future. That's when things were bad for them. He knew the plans that would be good and that would reach out to him. Joel chapter 225, uh, the Lord said, I will make up to you for the years the locusts have eaten. And even in Job, at the end of Job, Job chapter 42, verse 12, uh, it says, the latter part of Job's life was even better than the first part. God could find strength. Jim Cimbala is, is Carol Cimbala's husband. He's the pastor at Brooklyn Tabernacle. It's a unique church. It's a uh, church that mirrors the community of Brooklyn. Mixed church, everything. And uh, he's pastor of that great church. As a pastor, uh, they had a problem with one of her kids. We pastors sometimes have trouble with our kids, believe it or not. Uh, and had a daughter that got mixed up with the wrong people. And, uh, gave birth out of wedlock. Got involved with drugs and all this stuff. Came back for a while and tried to reform and then fell again into this life of sin. And by the way, that's when Carol led the choir to sing that song, He's Been Faithful to Me. Um, Jim said this. He said, God will strengthen you deep within your heart in a place no one else can reach. God will strengthen you deep in your heart in a place no one else can reach. I don't know what kind of crisis that you may be going through. We've got, uh, you know, maybe uh, 75, 80 of us here today. I'm not sure we've got that many. But out of the people that are here, there's some of you know what it is to be going through a personal crisis. And I want to tell you, you can find strength in the Lord just as assuredly as these other folks we've talked about today could find strength in the Lord. You say, how do I do it? You go to the Lord in prayer. You open your heart, pour out your heart to him. And you ask God to help you face what you must face. And I'll guarantee you, he will help you face what you must face. Let's pray together. But Father, this, this, uh, this lesson is so vitally important to us today. I, I just pray that you would 
you would send this message home to each one of us. And there are some people here to whom this message is very important because of what they're going through right now in their own lives and all of that. And I pray that you would be with these people and allow them to know your strength, same way David did, same way Paul did, same way all these other people that we talked about today did. They'll be able to find strength in you and in their relationship with you. And I pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it's a special service, but I can't end without giving an opportunity for response. And so we're gonna, we're gonna have a time of response. Stand up with you, will you please? And uh, just a time of response. You may need to make a decision that has to do with the church, and if you do, that's great. You come and do that. But it's also true that there may be something in your heart. Maybe you need to come down here and pray. Maybe you can pray right where you are. Maybe you come down here and pray, kneel on these steps, sit on these front rows. Some of you can't kneel, sit on these front pews and pray and talk to God. But it's important. This is not about me. It's not even about the church. It's about you doing what God wants you to do. And so I encourage you, uh, we sing this the time for respond. Don't say no to God. This is the time to respond right now. Let's sing. <laughs>